Welcome to the Fed Tech Innovators Podcast, where we talk about all things deep tech innovation, entrepreneurship, and R&D. Now let's get started. Hey everybody, Ben Solomon here, managing partner and founder of FedTech. Um, really excited to be joined by my colleague, Mike Bynum, who is a director of FedTech, uh, managing uh, all of our DOD programming. And we have a really nice conversation set up for today. We're gonna ask Mike a little bit about uh, the Defense Department just in January released a new small business strategy. So get, get Mike's interpretation of that, uh, but also hear a little bit about Mike's journey. Mike has come to us from a really interesting background that's included uh, time in, in the Army and time working in the intelligence community, and now is doing uh, really great work. So, hey Mike, how's it, how's it going? How's the weather in St. Louis? Uh, well, interestingly enough, there was a tornado warning a little earlier, so, um, you know, you being from the Midwest, you know how those things go. So you kind of okay. walk outside and you're like, oh, okay, it's not gonna, it's not gonna happen today. So okay, well, if we, if we hear anything, uh, you know, we'll know what that is, and please, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, take shelter uh, if, if appropriate. Right, right. Um. All right. Well, Mike, um, why don't just want to unpack a little bit? So obviously, uh, big strategy document came out a few right. weeks ago you know, signed by the Secretary of Defense himself, you know, what, what, what was in this doc and kind of what, um, if you think about our entrepreneur community in particular, what, what should they sort of take away from this? Yeah, I, I think the, um, the, the good part of this document is that uh, you're starting to see the shift by Department of Defense to really start engaging, I, I'd say not just with the small business space, but also uh, the startup industry. Um, and, you know, how they've identified, you know, how difficult it can be sometimes to actually engage with uh, Department of Defense, uh, even just kind of rightly naming how there's different doors that you can get through, uh, actually too many doors. Um, so, um, you know, just being able to identify those things, it's often like the first step, right, is the, to admit you have a problem. Um, but then that next step is, hey, how do we solve it? And for them to, you know, basically do a little bit of uh, organizational change, um, and I assume that's going to be backed by some budget, uh, they will try to make it more palatable for small businesses to do business with the government, which I think is really important. One of the, it is interesting, you mentioned kind of this idea of maybe too many doors. It's kind of a, because back, you know, I would say 10 years ago, right, that was a, um, you had, I think, the start of some of these innovation programs, right? You know, whether it's DIU, DIUX at the time, you know, AFWorks, um, Ensign, you know, many amazing organizations that, that FedTech now is proud to support. But there was kind of this proliferation, right? Where um, in an effort to be more accessible, you know, they did create all these these friendly front doors. Um, but now it's almost to your point, you know, maybe a little confusing for small businesses for which ones to go to. And it looks like there'll be maybe a little bit of a roll up, you know, in, in this, uh, policy document here where they're, you know, they're, they're repurposing the defense small business website to be like a friendly front door, you know, single, single point of entry. Um, but I guess from your perspective, like how, how would you advise startups, you know, that are kind of looking to work with DOD for the first time, you know, even, even in picking, like, what do you, which, which, which friendly front door do you start with and why? Right. And it's interesting. I've had maybe three or four of these discussions in the last two weeks. Um, and they all end the same, uh, really, that you just kind of don't know what you don't know. Um, and to even just talk about what we're doing at FedTech, you know, we're right at the tip of the spear here where, look, they're trying to create 
uh, better avenues for folks who have never engaged with government. So whether that's entrepreneurs and or small businesses. So, but also being able to clearly see it in this DOD strategy where they actually call out different programs like AFWorks and SoftWorks and others and try to create, um, you know, maybe a hub that people can come to and, and understand that, hey, there's there's multiple opportunities for me to do business with DOD. And oh, by the way, I don't have to know uh, these mountains of regulations in order to make it happen. Um, you know, even with programs like X-Tech Search, you know, it, it's more meant for companies that have never engaged with government. So almost like a friendly shoe in. So um, to see those kind of things happening, uh, it's just a far cry from where we were 10 years ago. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, most definitely. When I thought it was interesting, so the report um, highlights that uh, as a percentage, small businesses are actually now making up a smaller percentage of the total industrial base, even though the dollar amounts have gone up, you know, for contracts, small businesses. And that's probably not a, a good thing, right? Which I think this report is kind of kind of recognizing. And and they even bring out, you know, one example. Um, I didn't realize Moderna was uh, a DARPA uh, recipient for the mRNA vaccines. Pretty, pretty cool. But um what would you like to see? I mean, if you look kind of in the next, you know, five years, what would you like to see in terms of ecosystem development um, with uh, between, you know, small businesses? I know the small business prime relationship is something that we care a lot about at FedTech. Um, tell, tell us more about kind of where, what you'd like to see in the future. Uh, look, I, I'd like to see uh, the path get easier uh, for the small business. Um, and I think all of the the right ingredients are in place, you know, programs that are more meant for businesses that haven't engaged with government. Uh, but then once they get through that sort of uh, window or door, uh, then they understand what additional options that they do have. Uh, and then there's also those businesses that are already engaged with DOD, uh, specifically say on the cyber side of the house, you know, getting phase one awards and two awards, but gosh, how do they get to three? And, you know, somebody who was previously in the service you know, obviously there's a lot of cool stuff that's out there. You want to see that get into the hands of the warfighter. Uh, but, you know, how much of that actually gets blocked along the way uh, for, for one reason or the other? Um, you know, the more stuff you can get down the line to the end user, the better. So uh, I'd love to see in five, 10 years uh, that we've streamlined it to a point where, hey, you know, maybe, you know, the end user, the warfighter can have some influence on that acquisitions process. And I, and, and I just had a, an interesting conversation yesterday with someone from uh, the special operations community and um, just kind of blew their mind with all the things that we're working on at FedTech. Uh, they're, they're actually applying for one of our studio programs. Oh, cool. Good. And it's just like, even me, when I was in the service, I had no clue about acquisitions. I had no clue about R&D. Like, you kind of know it's out there, uh, but you just don't know what the breadth of it is. And um you know, like him, just coming to FedTech, my mind was blown by all of this that's going on. Yeah, yeah, you know, it, it absolutely, yeah. Um, yeah, and another thing that I, I just took away from when I, when I read the report, so the um, there's definitely an emphasis on kind of reducing regulation and requirements, you know, for participation, because that, you know, we, we definitely see right with our portfolio companies, just how difficult it is to get really spun up to be serving, uh, you know, the defense client base at scale, right? right? Uh, really regardless of what kind of contract you're on, you got to have 
you know, eventually the cost compliant software, uh, uh, accounting systems, software systems, there's cyber requirements. I mean, they're just, it is, it is definitely a, a game that is stacked, you know, against kind of somebody that's brand new to the industry. So that's, that's one of the things I'm proud of that. I think we, you know, FedTech can, can level the field a little bit for, for startups. Uh, but moving on a little bit, Mike, maybe just share a little bit of your journey. So I know, you know, we, when we saw your, uh, resume come in, we were awfully excited, you know, to, to bring you on a few years ago and maybe kind of walk us through your service. And then also, yeah, kind of what, what led you to the, the transition point going into business was very interesting to me. Yeah. Um, you know, interestingly enough, it was a year after nine 11, uh, sitting in my dorm in Iowa city, uh, having a good time, but, um, you know, was always intrigued by the military and, really just, just felt called to, to do something. And, and it's just crazy, you know, what the patriotism levels were like back then. Right. Uh, just everybody running around with American flags, let's get after it. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I went by the recruiter's office. Uh, I, I think I actually upset the recruiter because, uh, I was kind of picky about what I wanted to do and I actually wanted to see all of the information. So show me every single job and show me all the bonuses that are attributed to it. <laughs> They're like, oh, we're not allowed to do that. I'm like, oh, I guess, you know, we're, we're not in business today then. Uh, so he called me back a couple of days later and uh, just went through everything. And, you know, obviously infantry was way up there, like the biggest bonus. Huh. Uh, but then right below it was crypto analyst linguist. Uh, and so the, the recruiter offered me an opportunity to call someone who's actually in the job. Uh, so I was able to talk to that person and, uh, having spent some time in California and I thought it was a pretty good deal. Like, let's go, let's go back to California. Let's go to language school and, you know, learn a language. Um, so, uh, went through the whole MEPS process. You know, they tested me multiple times. You take the ASVAB, but then you take another test. What, what, um, what, what's the ASVAB? So the ASVAB is, is basically like, it's like an entrance exam into the, uh, into the military. Uh, so basically if you sign your name, you, you should be able to like get in. Uh, but interesting tests. There's a lot of stuff like basic math and um, some construction stuff on there, just basic skills tests. Uh, so they came back. They're like, oh, this is the highest score we've ever seen. I was like, really? Uh, so I'm already thinking like they're, they're joshing me a little bit. Um, and then I was like, hey, I want to try for the linguist position. So you have to go take a D lab is what they call it. And it's actually a made up language. So you have to like listen to a few phrases. And then you have to attribute it to some pictures. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, tell the story. So, you know, I'm thinking, oh God, this is crazy. Uh, so then I get three choices when it's done. You know, they, they come back, they're like, that's the highest grade we've ever seen. So I'm like, okay, you guys are really, really good <laughs> for this, right? Um, so I got three choices, um, Arabic, Mandarin, Chinese, or Korean. And because I did Taekwondo as a kid and I could count to 10 in Korean, I was like, Let's do Korean. So, um, you know, went to basic training, went out to language school, uh, spent some time there in the Korean course. Uh, and uh, while there, actually, this was when the surge was going on in Iraq. And, you know, the Intel branch came in and said, hey, we need more interrogators than we do, you know, crypto analyst linguists. So you get your same contract, your same bonus, instead of going to, good fellow where you kind of do a different sort of training you go to fort watch you go to do the interrogator training so i took the bait and i went to fort watch 
after language school and, and did the interrogator training. And uh, after that, got orders to Fort Syop Group. They call it Fourth Pog uh, out of Fort Bragg. So uh, went out there and spent my entire enlisted career at Fort Bragg. So um, started there, ended up going over to what they call Joint Special Operations Command, JSOC, um, and really just served as a linguist slash interrogator there my entire enlisted career. Wow. Okay. And what, what, like, can you talk about um, kind of where you're stationed and then what, what you kind of learned through that experience um, that's, that's carried cool. over? Yeah. So even with the start, uh, for PSYOP group, I was part of a battalion that uh, basically worked with uh, the South Korean army, uh, did a lot of stuff along the DMZ. Uh, but because of my job, you know, my MOS, which was, you know, 35 Mike human intelligence collector, we could only go to Iraq. That was it. That was our only uh, allowed deployments at the time. So uh, went over to Joint Special Operations Command and um, just got an amazing opportunity to uh, be a part of that group, uh, work with some of the most elite forces on the planet. Um, you know, and yeah, we, you know, I can't get into too many details about it, but um, just a, a mind blowing experience and um, something that like, look, I literally as a new uh, soldier in the army, you know, I was told, uh, hey, grow your beard and get on a plane and go to Kuwait. <laughs> so, um, and so my nickname back then was Patches because, you know, it didn't really grow in at all. So oh, you, 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 me both, man. Yeah, I feel you. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I got made fun of quite a bit. Yeah. I had a little bit of a baby face, but, um, yeah, did, did a couple of tours there, uh, went from, uh, I started off as an E3, so private first class and, uh, made E6. So staff sergeant for multiple in four years. Uh, so I was, I was tracking pretty fast. Um, and then while there, I also uh, got accepted to OCS. So went and became an officer after that and became an infantry officer. So I uh, served my last few years as an infantry officer uh, and then uh, got the opportunity to transition out. Um, you know, grew up as a, a Monsanto kid. So my parents were here in St. Louis um, and uh, a school I didn't know much about because I never grew up in St. Louis was Washington University in St. Louis. Uh, they gave me a full ride to their MBA program. Um, and there was about 19 of us veterans that got full rides to that MBA program. So, uh, really cool to, for them to embrace me. We had to go to like a boot camp. So they're like, oh, this is a book and this is a, a whiteboard. It's like, oh, okay, great. This is awesome. So, um, so no, really cool experience. Got to meet some great people and then, you know, come out of there with a, a high powered MBA. Absolutely. Yeah. One of the, one of the best absolutely in the, in the business, um, when going back a little bit, so I, I, I find it interesting, the, the, the ability that the kind of knowledge you have around special forces, right? We see at FedTech that in many ways they're, you know, special forces groups are going to be a very interesting early adopter, you know, for technology. Um, they're often the guys that get, you know, can buy the most expensive stuff, right? They can break stuff. They can, uh, you know, acquire stuff much more, you know, easily. Um, so can you talk at all about that? I mean, just about if, if, if you have an entrepreneur that wants to, you know, potentially run a pilot, you know, or get to, to get some validation, how that could be a good community actually to look at, even though, of course, they're not uh, going to be the most accessible, you know, easily found people. Yeah. And look, it's a, it's a small community. So, you know, but it's a good opportunity to uh, have a, a better engagement, say with, 
you know, an end user. Uh, so I'll, I'll kind of put it in the buckets of special operations, uh, but then I'll also create this, this bucket of, of airborne units. Uh, so, you know, those two units are definitely going to have budget to try out, you know, some new technologies, some, some new services. So, um, you know, there, I've seen a lot of folks come through, even while I was serving at Fort Bragg, you know, orders would come down, Hey, 10 troopers need to go out to this, you know, uh, field and or training area and work with this company who has these new G whiz like communications, uh, gadgets. So. Um, you know, very much they are part of implementing and testing out different equipment. Uh, now you have to be careful. The airborne community, they're always going to ask like, Hey, can you, can you throw it out of a plane and will it, you know, will it survive? So, um, you always have to consider that, but, uh, on the special operations side, yeah, they're, they're always going to be looking out for, uh, technologies that are, that are going to give them an advantage on the battlefield and, um, and obviously are going to try to test those out. Um, and really cool to see an organization like Softworks popping up, who's, who's actually kind of being a part of that funneling of technology, you know, into the special operations community. So, um, you know, just love to see it. And I, I think, uh, every sort of company that has a solution that they think can be used in that realm, they absolutely should try to make it happen. Um, you know, now they're still kind of the the processes, you know, they've been able to reduce some, but they're still have to follow the laws and regulations that, that kind of serve over the acquisitions process. But, um, you know, if you get validated there, it just makes life a little bit easier as you try to spread out across other DOD organizations. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So really for entrepreneurs, I would say, yeah, look at soft, you know, contact softworks, um, sure. contact, there are small business, uh, kind of people that are listed on the, the various, you know, whether it's, uh, SOCOM's website or, you know, or other places and maybe, uh, maybe don't email them, maybe call them and see if you can strike up a conversation and see if they'll maybe make an in intro, you know, for you. I know that they, they got a lot of emails, uh, but, um, yeah, anyway, well, so I guess tell me more, you know, so obviously big transition point into an MBA program. Right. Um, when did you start to get interested in, in, in our space, you know, that we, we operate in now of venture building, you know, and what, what made you excited about that? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I got all kind of funny stories. So I'm in the MBA program and, um, and I don't want to bash them, but I'll just throw this out there. Uh, there's this, this program called insight. So it's like, you know, very like high profile student consulting. There's a chapter at Harvard, there's a chapter at WashU. So I interviewed and they rejected me. I was like, oh my God, what? Uh, they said I wasn't a good fit. So, uh, I ended up, up going into the community in St. Louis, and I ran into a nonprofit called uh, the Balsa Foundation. Um, and let me rewind. First, it was called the Balsa Group. Uh, so it's a basically student consulting for biotech and life sciences uh, startups. Uh, so I was actually the only MBA on the team. There was a bunch of PhDs and uh, researchers. So I brought a bit of a different element to the team, uh, but did a lot of startup engagements there. Um, and then they asked me to, uh, switch over to their philanthropic arm, which was the Balsa foundation. And there they actually funded first time entrepreneurs from underserved communities. Hmm. So, um, that was just kind of something that I participated in as like kind of community engagement and, uh, really enjoyed that space. Like, okay, I'm working with upstarts and, and, and entrepreneurs and startups. 
biotech life sciences. That was really cool. You know, again, I'm not a biotech or life sciences expert, but I was able to kind of bring some of the business acumen to the engagements. Um, and then similar with uh, the philanthropic side, working with startups from underserved communities. Um, now, my bio going into the MBA program was I wanted to work in sports somehow. I wanted to be a work in the business of sports. And uh, so I was told, hey, you got to go check in with Stadium Ventures, which was also here in St. Louis. Um, so I ended up uh, volunteering for their pitch day. And as a student, what, what, is, what does Stadia do? Yeah, so it's a uh, sports tech VC. So they invest in, um, you know, sports tech businesses and also esports businesses. And alongside of their fund, they have an accelerator. Um, so they'll invest and then you go through the accelerator. Um, so, so yeah, they, they've got a big pitch day. You actually have to pitch to get into the program. Um, and they called out to watch you. They needed some volunteers. So I went over there and, and basically like held the timer for the people pitching on the stage. Um, but something happened and they're like, can you help us out? And I kind of just like got everything under control and kind of started running the show. So. Uh, they're like, we, we need you around a little bit more often. So um, ended up entering with them most of my time as a student. And then that was my first full-time role coming out of the MBA program. So, um, you know, sports tech, VC, esports, biotech, life sciences. Like I, I got a nice injection of it all while I was in school and just kind of fell in love with the space. And uh, it didn't really hit me until maybe a year and a half, two years ago, like, man, why am I so like addicted to this, like startup ecosystem? Um, and it was just like a leadership webinar uh, for one of these cohort programs. And they were showing some military photos up there. And it just kind of dawned on me, like, you know, to start a, a business from scratch is like insanity. Uh, it, it's nuts. Uh, you know, it's like, you, you have to be like wired a different kind of way to do that. And I just found that like, it kind of just served that itch that I'm kind of missing from the military where literally every day we were asked to do something like ridiculous or impossible, but you know, we got it done. Right. <laughs> um, but that's kind of really my affinity for this space is just to see people doing mission impossible. I mean, imagine from scratch to exit, like how hard that is. Um, and then also, uh, it's an industry where you fail forward. So, you know, I've seen some job posts out there where you have to have like two or three failed businesses behind you in order to get the job, you know, in the startup space. So that's also what I love because the military is all about iteration. You know, hey, what went well? What went wrong? Okay, let's go back and do it again, you know, a better way. So um, that's why I, I have a lot of affinity for the space. Yeah, and you definitely, I mean, in the course of, of running our programs, I know you've gotten to be, you know, right alongside founders. And, and I'm, I'm curious, you know, what have you kind of noticed uh, about the best, you know, the best of our founders that have come through our programs? What what kind of traits do they have? Look, it's um, it's kind of a, a no surrender kind of mentality, uh, which, look, it makes the job, I'll say interesting. I'm not going to say difficult, but it makes it interesting. Uh, and even for the folks that work on my team, you know, I always tell them like half of this is dealing with people. Um, you know, I'm not surprised when a founder wants the world from us. Uh, obviously we can't provide the world, uh, but you know, you gotta always think, hey, these people are, are trying to accomplish mission impossible. And then you kind of throw in the government slash DOD 
layers of it all makes it a little even more difficult. So um, it's just refreshing to engage with these type of folks um, who are making it happen. Some of them have poured their life savings into their venture. Uh, so, you know, sometimes there's tears on these calls uh, because they really want this to work like this, you know, their life is depending upon it. Um, so, you know, if you go into this industry with a little bit of empathy, uh, it just goes a long way. And, and I've always found myself like, and I always ask the team, hey, what's your superpower? What's what's a startup founder calling you for? Uh, I think what they call me for is like, hey, Mike can get me to the right person. Because um, I'll never say I'm the expert. Now, if you want to talk pitch decks, I can help you there. Uh, but, you know, if we're talking about, you know, raising VC funds or we're talking about raising cyber funds, we're talking about anything and everything that has to do with your business, like there's a resource, whether that's at FedTech, in our network, in my network, like we can make it happen. And, and that's kind of the, the spirit that I take into all of our programs. Yeah, well, yeah, it's interesting. And the um, kind of hitting in on that point of sort of, 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 of what you learn from failure, right? I mean, I, I've always thought, I mean, in the course of, of us starting FedTech, you know, back seven, eight years ago, it's advanced learning, right? You, you, you do things, you mess up every single day. When, when you, we, you learn from those, those mistakes, you learn from those mess ups, you don't do those again. It's like, it's like touching a hot, you know, a hot stove or something. It's like, you, you know, the child <laughs> learns quickly to, to not touch, yeah. uh, you know, so you avoid things that cause the, you know, the pain and you do the things that, that end up, you know, feeling better and, and being more successful. Um, and over time you, yeah, you sort of find it and, and iterate, but yeah, to me, it's it, some of the best advice I got early on in my career was actually back when I was doing my MBA, there was uh, the founder of at this time, a very popular social media uh, dating website came and, and spoke at our campus at University of Maryland. And he was like, hey, you know, you really got to try starting a company because, you know, if you have a work life of whatever 50 years, right, if you spend six months doing a startup, that's, you know, 1% of your, your work life, right, you can always come back from that, you know, it's not that much risk. And what you learn, you know, in that, that period is just spectacular. Right. So I think it's fun. I mean, we get to see that in our company with our founders all the time, right. That there, there's a true change in people as they, they go through our programs. Well, we'll just think about the the story. Think about where you started. I mean, you know, probably you just sitting in a room, uh, coming up with this idea. And then, you know, of course, Jake comes around and, uh, now there's well, almost 50 people, you know, running around, you know, playing with FedTech which is yeah. really cool. Um, and yeah, that, that journey, like you just can't beat it. Um, and so that's what, like, I, I just, I'm so enamored with, with startup founders and, and how they're getting it done. And I had a similar experience, uh, in my MBA program, the founder of the, the drink buy, uh, actually oh, came and talked to us and my goodness, what he had to go through to get his drink under the shelf. Uh, was just madness, but it just takes someone who's just got that grit and, and gets after it and, um, you know, never easy to get it done. Well, did, did they get acquired too? I imagine, but yeah, so that was where his story really turned, uh, because, you know, they got acquired, but they brought him in as like a VP of, of innovation slash disruption, uh, and he ended up getting fired. <laughs> uh, but I mean, it, it was. Um, it, it was almost like, like, I could just kind of feel it when he was talking, like it, it almost like a depressing moment to be like engulfed by this big company. Uh, so it makes me even think about founders that have been acquired and, and now you're a part of the big machine. 
Oh, yeah. Uh, probably have to sit there for a year or two as a part of your acquisition. Uh, but yeah, all of them are really itching to get back out and start another venture, which is what he did. Well, it's funny, right? I mean, you, you hear founders be so enamored with, okay, we're working towards this exit, right? And, and you, of course you want to be, but it is funny just when you actually talk to, you know, people that have really made a, a sale where they truly exit, you know, meaning they're out of the company, you know, within a short period of time. Um, it's not always like a direct correlation with happiness, right? I mean, it's, it's, no, it's, it's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Cause you know, you're, you're used to being in charge. You're used to being, having a lot of work to do. You go to, to for being in charge of an organization to being in charge of, you know, your, your, you know, nothing, but basically, you know, and you got some money, but you know, you still gotta have something that's, that kind of drives you in life, um, to focus on. So interesting, uh, kind of, uh, conundrum there. Right. Absolutely. Well, Mike, let's just say a couple, uh, more minutes here and just, um, why don't you share a little bit of, of sort of, uh, what I always like when I hear you describe kind of the continuum of our programs, right? We're, we're right. especially within the defense community, fed tech, you know, we can help you take an idea from the early stages all the way to, you know, a product and looking at, you know, things like a phase three SBIR. Um, do you want to walk us through kind of the programs that you get to touch and manage on a daily basis that kind of have, uh, each of those, those, uh, continuum points? Yeah, I, I think it's, um, you know, the, the cool part is, you know, if you think about the continuum, you think about, uh, technology readiness levels where a one is, you know, really just kind of an idea. We, we have a bit of a concept sketch all the way out to a nine. Like we have a product that's ready to go onto the shelf. Um, the, the cool part of what we're doing at FedTech is we have specific programs that kind of touch each kind of segment of that technology readiness level, uh, continuum. Um, so, you know, what I enjoy, even my first, you know, project I worked on at FedTech was more of our studio model where we're able to take technology out of GOD labs, put it in the hands of entrepreneurs and spin out new ventures, uh, which honestly, Ben, I was a skeptic when I came to FedTech. I was like, there's no way I'm bringing a hundred plus, you know, strangers together and, and spinning out new ventures. And gosh, we did it. We spun out what, 15 or 16 companies. Uh, some of those have acquired venture funds. Uh, some of those have gotten into other big programs. And um, again, it just comes back to that grit. So, so yeah, if you want to become a startup founder, yeah, tech can make that happen for you like all day, every day. Um, but then there's, Hey, let's get all the way down to, you know, TRL zero and one. You know, we're in the labs, we're going into Army Research Lab, we're going into other labs and working with the actual inventors. Um, and I had the honor the other day of coaching a few inventors who were actually going to pitch to warfighters uh, for the first time ever. Uh, and again, just kind of being a part of that connective tissue that, yeah, I actually brought it up a couple of years ago. I didn't even know you guys existed. Uh, so would it be cool if you could actually pitch to warfighters? And now they're doing it. Um, and then all the way out to, you know, the, the later stages of TRL, uh, we've got a really cool program with Northrop Grumman where we're helping them find startup companies to bring into their, uh, ecosystem. Um, and then even, even greater is the U S army. Uh, we're working with them in their applied cyber program and their X tech program. So, um, that entire continuum, there's so much to touch there. Uh, it's exciting to wake up and, and come work in this space every day. Great. Yeah. Thanks, Mike. Yeah. Appreciate that overview. And, um, yeah, we usually end, you know, just with, uh, 
you have any advice? I mean, what would be sort of your tweet size advice for a founder that maybe is brand new to the defense space? Like, what would you tell them? Yeah, look, um, there's a lot of doors to walk through. Um, but it, it's one of those games where it, you just don't know what you don't know. Uh, and, and this sounds kind of corny, but hit up FedTech. <laughs> uh, we literally could bombard you with links uh, to different programs that you can participate in. And it doesn't even have to be our program. I mean, all boats rise, right? So um, there's so much going on out there. But but hit up anyone at FedTech. Hey, how do I do this? Where do I start? And we'll, we'll provide you with plenty of resources um, to get you started on your journey. Great. Love hearing that. Well, thanks, Mike. It's fun to work with you. Thanks for doing what you do. And um, yeah, we'll sign off here, but uh, appreciate your time and um, we'll get back to it. Absolutely. Great. Take care.